0: Welcome back, my friends. I'll have new episodes coming up for you shortly, but because of the holiday weekend. Please, enjoy this uncomfortable rewind of the Dewey Lake Monster. Let's get into it. Doing that, I was face-to-face face with it. It was holding me by my throat, and it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. When I turned and looked on my right side, when I did, there's there's a beam mm-hmm. on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. If they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth be able to speak in people's languages and at that point it kind of converge into this one entity which will be revealed as extraterrestrial you'll realize that aliens are the gods of old and at that point they're like white religion out of the context of humanity no it couldn't have been a person i know that i know that people can't run through the woods like that so this thing comes into view and i see it It's 50 yards away from me, it's walking, it's walking on two legs, it's huge. This is a big hairy looking being. Good evening, my uncomfortable friends. If you're new to the show, welcome. And if you like it, please head over to Apple or iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Uncomfortable Podcast. If you have an experience or know someone who has... Get a hold of us at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com and we'll get you on the show. Tonight, I wanted to start out by thanking each and every one of you for your support of the show. But before we get into tonight's topic, I wanted to cover something that we're doing that's very exciting. September 10th of this year. I will be hosting Bigfoot and Brews in Wajack, Michigan. Sister Lakes Brewing Company will be the site of our all-day Bigfoot conference. It will be a best of uncomfortable, if you will, with current scheduled speakers being Ron Moorhead, James Lady, Val Salvala, and John for my most popular show to date, opening day. Speakers, presentations, and topic-related vendors and some of the best cryptid brews and culinary offerings the area has to offer. Tickets are on sale now at BigFootAndBrews.com. The tickets are currently limited to 200 attendees, so don't miss your chance to hang out with me and our great guest speakers. So if you're able and interested in helping sponsor this event, we encourage your involvement and welcome your donations. Your contributions will be recognized on the event website, a banner on display at the event, and of course, you'll receive some uncomfortable perks as well. Contact me directly for sponsorship details, at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Event details and vendors' applications can be found on the event website. This is the first year for this event, and we're anticipating it will become an annual event. I'll again be supporting the podcast as a vendor at this year's Michigan Bigfoot Conference in Chelsea, Michigan, On July 30th, information on all these events mentioned can be located on their respective Facebook event pages. And now, on to tonight's show. Let me start off by setting the stage. Midwest America, 1960s. A country still reeling from the recent assassination of their beloved president. Families were beginning to feel the losses from our involvement in the Vietnam conflict. Not yet thrust into the counterculture movement of the nineteen sixties, Dewajak, Michigan was a snapshot of wholesome. Americana, something you'd expect to see in a Norman Rockwell painting. Nestled in southwest Michigan's Fruit Belt, Van Buren County's Sister Lakes area, became a popular vacation destination for Chicagoans as far back as 1911 when the region became more easily accessible by train. This roughly 35 square mile summer resort area is primarily made up of woodlands, farms, and 11 lakes within a 6 mile radius. Most notably are Round Lake, Big and Little Crooked Lakes, Magician, Cable and Dewey Lake. Dewey Lake. This is where our story begins. As early as 1962, folks living in the vicinity of Sister Lakes, Michigan had started seeing a strange hair-covered creature some saying an upwards of nine feet tall. Then, in June of 1964, the first sighting of the monster took place on the evening of Tuesday, June 9th. Gordon Brown, employed by the Utrecht Farm, was returning to the farm that night when he spotted a figure standing between a barn and a shed. Brown indicated that his truck headlights had outlined the upright figure. In that moment, he realized that he had seen that same creature once before playing out in the orchards behind the Utrecht farm. admittedly anxious to get a better view of this creature. Brown gathered his brother Randall and a flashlight and they headed to the area where he had last seen the creature. They arrived in time to see this thing approximately 120 yards out in the field. According to the two brothers, the creature appeared be looking back at them as it slowly retreated into the woodline. Brown admitted to never having reported having seen this thing back in the orchards that previous summer. But this time around, the brothers did call on the sheriff's department. although no report was written by the local news. The brothers did apparently adequately detail what they had seen and stated quite clearly they were certain it was not a bear. The next 24 hours would change the small community forever. as news of this mysterious sighting made its way around town. A local alcohol distributor placed a $1,000 bounty on this creature. News of the reward spread quickly. In no time at all, the town would find itself overrun with hundreds of curiosity seekers and monster hunters that were all armed to the hilt. They came in droves in the back of pickup trucks and packed cars. Although the sheriff's department attempted to patrol the area in hopes of spotting the creature, their efforts were soon to redirect it into corralling and redirecting the mass of monster hunters from the area. In a daily news article by Dave Schultz dated 6-11-1964, Schultz indicated that he had been on a monster safari that Wednesday evening, but literally the only monsters that they had run into were the people who were obstructing the search operations. He wrote that by the sight of some of the armaments that the hunters had brought with them, he thought he might be in the middle of a war. He rode along with the local county sheriff's department and witnessed them politely telling hundreds of people that they were in no need of help and to please keep moving out of the area. During his ride along, they were approached by Undersheriff Ernest Kraus and made aware of a gathering of a crowd at the Utrep residence on Dixon Road. Upon arrival, they witnessed a number of newspaper and radio station personnel interviewing Mrs. Rutrup, who had phoned in the initial complaint. Schultz exited the vehicle in time to hear her state in no uncertain terms. Get off of my property. I've never seen this thing, and you wouldn't even be out here tonight anyways with all you people around. Besieged by reporters looking for descriptions of the monster, she reiterated that she had never seen the monster. She indicated that she had gone outside one evening about 10 p.m., and as she quote, was returning to the house. The thing was coming up behind me, and I could hear his steps. My husband inside the house could feel the steps as they shook the house. Mrs. Utrep went on to explain how one of her shepherds had chased the monster one night and came back with the pupil of one eye turned to a pale blue color and was blinded in that eye. According to Mrs. Utrip, her husband saw the creature last year when he had pulled into the driveway and his light shone upon it. He had indicated that all he saw was, quote, a outline of an animal, with the exception of eyes, which seemed to be very much Illuminated. On the morning of Thursday, June 11th, an additional call came in when three young girls reported having seen the monster leaving the woods and crossed the road in front of them. They had indicated that the creature was running on its hind legs two sisters, Patsy and Gail Clayton, were walking a third girl, Joyce Smith, home when they saw what they initially described as a bear. The three teen girls met paths with the creature in broad daylight while they were walking along a road in Silver Creek Township. At the time of the sighting, It's reported that the Smith girl fainted from the encounter, and Patsy and Gail stood motionless, paralyzed with fear, as this thing charged off into the underbrush. Joyce was later quoted as saying, it didn't look like a man. And the sisters both described it as being about seven feet tall, with a black face. With the timing of this sighting, authorities had at times been skeptical of the girl's story due to their age. During the midst of all this chaos and monster fever, ABC News out of Chicago wasted no time getting newscaster H. Aspinwall and cameraman Ron Koza out to the area where they filmed a short feature for broadcast on the 6 p.m. News and later on the Ron Cochran Report, a segment that aired nationally. By 5 p.m. on Friday, June 12th, deputies and detectives were dispatched to the Swisher Street area to investigate a report called in by Robert Walker, a Dawajak resident. Walker reported that he had found what he described as a large track. In his words, he didn't know what kind of track it was, but suggested it could be, quote, a big ape track. Walker also stated that he had seen what left that track once before the previous summer. In his statement to detectives, Walker said, quote, It hasn't shown up for two nights. It shows he's scared. He's hiding in those woods, and somebody might just get killed. His normal routine has been broken. Cass County Undersheriff Ernie Krause was quoted as saying that police dogs could have made those tracks as that area was patrolled on a regular basis. Deputy Sheriff Dick Baker had indicated that there were no signs of bear and they hadn't seen any disturbances at any of the area dumps. Now, as a side note, I reached out to a longtime retired DNR officer in this area, and he assured me that at no time in the past 75 years or so has there been any evidence to suggest that there were any population of bear this far down into Lower Michigan. Walker apparently had some additional knowledge of what left the track. As he stated, quote, He starts up around Utrecht's Cherry Orchard along Garrett Road, walks all the way down to the woods on Swisher Street, and then goes down the hedgerows. It continues down behind Cullenane School, where there's a swamp and blueberries. During this time, other witnesses came forward, additional newspaper articles were written, and hundreds more people had made their way to the Sister Lakes area, hoping for a glimpse of this creature. Local station WSJM had even began running a program of new monster reports on a regular basis. Professor Frank E. Eggleton with the University of Michigan's zoology department weighed in on the sightings and he thought it could quite possibly have been that of a gorilla. Other zoologists disagreed. Dr. Burt of the same university thought it was most likely a bear but then admitted that Bear don't commonly wander that far south in Michigan, and even with standing on their hind legs to look around, would only be in the neighborhood of five or six feet tall. So if the reports are correct, and this thing has been lurking through the wooded areas of southwest Michigan for the past two years, it most certainly would not have been a gorilla as they would not be able to survive that long in this climate out of doors. By July 14th of that year, the creature had been spotted again only three miles away from the Sister Lakes area, this time in Van Buren County. The creature was described as taller than a bear with red hands and was seen early Monday evening by a man and his wife traveling a little-used road along a wooded area. The couple stopped at the home of a friend in Sister Lakes to report the incident. They indicated that they had sat in their car and watched the animal for several minutes. They said it was definitely an animal, and not a man. It was covered with a reddish-brown hair They sighted the beast in a heavy underbrush and admitted it was difficult to see. It had made no attempt to come towards their car, but seemed, in their words, to be watching them before retreating behind the trunk of a tree. As they sat there watching it, they observed it eventually climbing up the tree And as it sat there on a limb, it clapped its hands at them several times. They repeatedly said that it appeared to have hands, not paws. After reporting the incident to the County Sheriff's Department, a deputy, the husband, wife, and their two sons, all drove back to the wooded area where the creature had been seen. The couple pointed out the tree that the animal had climbed up, and it was obvious that ivy and bark and twigs had been broken off of the tree by something. The base of the tree also showed evidence of having been trampled down Now, it's not clear by whom, but everyone in this incident had been sworn to secrecy as not to reveal the names of the persons who saw the creature, nor the people who returned to the area to hunt it. Years later, Cass County Sheriff Paul Parrish in an article by Lane Wick of the Hometown Gazette, attested to this time having been one of the strangest in his up to then 33 years of law enforcement. He indicated it had been investigated long and hard, but were never able to come up with whatever it was. But in his words, some good, honest, legitimate people had reported it. Parrish said there were big footprints, a lot bigger than normal. They'd taken plaster casts of them, but they were in sandy soil and not very clear. He lamented, we tried to get to the bottom of it. We spent a whole summer on stakeouts and follow-ups but never nailed it down. It was the weirdest thing. According to Parrish, descriptions of the monster varied. Some reported a huge hairy beast with glowing eyes, and others reported not seeing any eyes at all. But had a creature that had extremely long, powerful arms... This series of sightings has never really faded away. Sometime later in an issue of True Magazine, an article called The Hells-a-Poppin' Hunt for the Michigan Monster detailed the events of this summer and other related sightings such as the Monroe County Monster that happened that next summer. In August of 1965, in Monroe, Michigan, law enforcement officials indicated that they were going to resort to the use of lie detector tests to help settle the question of reports of a seven-foot-tall, 400-pound, moldy-smelling creature lurking in the landscape of southeastern Michigan. The first report of this creature on August 13th 1965, came from Mrs. Ruth Owens, who said that her 17-year-old daughter Christine was grabbed by the beast while they were driving along Mental Road near Monroe. A physical description of the girl after the attack did confirm she had a black eye as a result of the encounter. Soon after these reports, the Monroe area, much like the Sister Lakes area, saw more than hundred cars converging on the scene with many of the motorists armed with guns, baseball bats, clubs. In that article, an interesting statement was made. It said that residents of both communities had an unwritten agreement among themselves saying that if anyone did see something strange, quote, no one was going to let out a peep about it, so long as it didn't harm anyone. So, is Bigfoot here in Michigan? I think the answer is obvious with 225 reports on the BFRO website coming from nearly every county in the state of Michigan. With over 1,800 reports collected by Val Zalvala of Facebook's Michigan Bigfoot report and data, Gumshoe Guy's Corner, going all the way back to the 1700s, with stories like Charlotte, Michigan's so-called Gorilla Swamp, where a huge gorilla wandering around on two feet and covered with long hair had been reported. Or the 1937 report of a Saginaw man witnessing a man-like monster climb up a riverbank and lean against a tree as it watched him sit and fish. Or what about the story of Otto Collins and Philip Williams, who claimed to have run into a giant hair-covered ape-like creature outside of Marshall, Michigan in May of 1956? These men reported being picked up, one under each arm, and carried by the beast until he dropped them and then wandered off into the woods. They reported that it had big green eyes, as big as light bulbs, and smelled of something rotten. I guess we have to open our minds and, and take a little bit broader look at the subject. Ruguru. Oma. Yeatosh. Skookum. Stayma. Sasquatch These are just a few of the names for this elusive creature that we know of as Bigfoot. Nearly every tribe of First Nations people throughout North America and Canada had names for these creatures that they say they shared the land with. What were the translations of some of these names? Wild man, stone giant, big God, cannibal giant, the one who runs and hides, tree man, Harry Savage. Sound familiar? historic references in a biography of Daniel Boone, the life and legend of an American pioneer. Boone was said to have repeatedly told a story in the later years of his life. Speculation suggests that he told this story as he knew he was no longer fearful of the ridicule he might receive. The story was Boone's account of having killed a 10-foot hairy giant known as a Yehu in Kentucky in the late 1700s. Research shows there are several other accounts of over nearly 200 years of creatures in Kentucky known by the name of Yeha or Yehu. And then there's the American President Theodore Roosevelt in his book, The Wilderness Hunter a tale told to him by an old grizzled mountain man named Bauman. Bauman told of his younger days as a trapper and how his partner was killed by a creature that had visited their camp several times over 36 hours. The visitor described visually as having a great looming body on two legs, accompanied by the strong odor of a wild beast. It let out a sinister sounding moan and left large footprints embedded deep in the soft soil. In 1924, on the southeast shoulder of Mount St. Helens, Washington, three miners were forced out of their claim by a violent attack of large ape-like creatures. The attack culminated in a night of these creatures surrounding the men's cabin and pummeling it with large rocks. After an encounter earlier in the day, resulting in one of the men shooting one of these beings three times. At daylight, the men left and never returned. Factual historic documents show the property claim had been signed off by all three men, and work had ceased after that night. Since then, that area is known as Ape Canyon. In the same year, British Columbian prospector Albert Ostman reported an incredibly descriptive account of being picked up while asleep in a sleeping bag and carried off for hours. Once allowed out of his bag, he found himself in a cave and in the company of four Sasquatch, a family unit consisting of a large adult male, an adult female, and what he felt were teenaged son and daughter. He detailed the several-day encounter interactions and eventual escape, first in a newspaper article, and then many years later in John Green's book, Sasquatch, The Apes Among Us. In 1958, Jerry Crew, a tractor operator for a construction company in the Bluff Creek area, formally introduced the name of Bigfoot to the nation as he told of his discovery of large footprints in the Northern California wilderness surrounding his logging equipment. And nine years later, in 1967, Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin filmed 57 seconds of footage of a Bigfoot walking across a dry creek bed at Bluff Creek in Northern California. It remains one of the most analyzed and arguably the best piece of video footage of an actual Bigfoot. A simple Google of the subject, and one will quickly realize there are thousands of reports and eyewitness accounts in every state of the U.S., A deeper dive shows that's not all. There are reports of similar beings all over the world, on every continent. But Michigan? Huh. Yeah, maybe all the way up in the UP. Maybe. But not all of them.